0: the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. 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 This, is is AV AV Nation. Nation. this is AV Nation.
1: This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 134, recorded Saturday, March 15th, 2014. Service is satisfaction. Ready. Ready. AV AV Week. Performing Scan A-V Week. Online. This is AV Week. AV AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. Hello. Happy Saturday for, to you. I almost said for you. Uh, George Tucker is here. He's the engineering coordinator for World Stage and the left-hand side of my brain. How are you, sir? I'm good today. It's 47 and sunny, finally. This good is a, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, that's an that's a improvement from what you have it in the in greater New York area. A dramatic improvement. Uh, Nick is not 47. He's probably, what, 87 by now?
2: <laughs> uh, good morning from dreary Austin, Texas. It's, uh, we're expecting some large hail today, so oh, wow. it's not quite warmed up yet, but we're expecting some, uh, some fireworks here this afternoon.
1: Nick is a programmer at uh, AV Service Partners, uh, and uh, he mentions Austin. I blame the hipsters for uh, leaving South by Southwest.
2: Agreed. There's a, uh, there's a certain bit of uh, excitement on my part. Usually when the hipsters roll into town for South by Southwest, they take every bit of good weather we get oh, well. and then leave town. That's
1: nice of them. Yeah. Uh, Steve Greenblatt is here as well. He's uh, the head at Control Concepts. He's also uh, the, uh, the producer and the host of our control show, State of Control. How are you, sir? I'm great. Great to be here. And last but not least... Uh, he's an author, he's a podcaster and blogger on his own, and a very nice guy. His name is Tom Andre, host of AV Rant. How are you, sir? I'm
3: very good. And down here in Florida, it is 75 and beautiful. Oh, good Lord.
1: I think it's 30 or something here in St. Louis. So it's still Florida. Yeah, it's still Florida. So. Did I say that out loud? No, <laughs> no, no. You, you were fine. It's one of the
3: very few months I can ride the motorcycle without getting rained on. So
1: yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good thing. Uh, And actually, we're going to talk about, uh, in a second, uh, Tom had George on uh, his show this week, so that was kind of cool. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about uh, digital signage and uh, some forecasting uh, Commercial Integrator has done and is asking you about where the revenue uh, and in the world of AV is coming from this year. Uh, I'm going to ask a question about um, what to do with, uh, well, abandoned cable, actually, in your house. Uh, It sounds like a silly question, but it's it's a, a real one when people are doing uh, rehab and, and rejuvenation of your house. Uh, but first, I, I ran across this this blog this week, and I, I had never, I, it, one thing about Twitter is you, you find people that you've never really heard of before. Uh, and this guy's but his name is Mike Kirby. Uh, and he has a small, he, he has a little blog about AV and just business in general. And he, and he writes a story about a furniture company called RC Wiley. And um, uh, I, I've heard of them, they're not here in St. Louis. And he tells the story of, you know, he and his wife went there and they paid a little bit more. But the service and the experience was so much better that they would have paid, gladly paid even more probably, uh, for the furniture they got because of the service. Now, here's the question uh, for all y'all. And and Nick will kick it off with you because you you actually work directly with an integrator. Um, How do we express... Uh, the value how, in monetary value um, for things like service, for things like experience, uh, for programming. Uh, this week, I, I I work for an integrator here in St. Louis, and this week I was putting together um, a, an RFP, which is a request for proposal pro, quote. Mm-hmm. And in the world of education, that's pretty much here. Here's what we want: give us the best price. We don't care who you are. Um, we don't care how nice you are. We don't care how how quickly you respond to us. Uh, typically, and and we just want the lowest price. So, in that kind of world, and in the world where the bottom line is the bottom line, how do integrators and and service providers express you know to their end users, express to their clients uh, the value of of what they're offering?
2: Well, that's one of the biggest challenges we have. Um, our company, in particular, we were uh, we were started based upon service. Um, before we even started doing any new install integration, anything like that, the business model was to simply go in and offer service agreements and ad hoc service to customers that had basically had integrators cut and run on. So we established ourselves as kind of the go-to folks for or service on the front end, and then after uh, about six months or a year, people started coming to us and asking, "Okay, what we need to do this? We need to upgrade that. How can you help us?" And so we kind of did a back, took a back end approach uh, to uh, to sales by leading with service, and I think that's one of the key key factors in our success.
1: Steve, your your company Control Concepts, you're, you're, you make you you make control uh, products. You are the the epitome of the independent programmer. Um, how do you guys
0: bring value and express that value to to your clients? Well, just a clarification: we provide software, but yes, yes. Uh, um, the it, it's it's a really really challenging issue, honestly, because it, it, it's hard to get people to understand the difference between uh, a working system and uh, a, a, a serviceable system or a, a system that has longevity that's easier to maintain that that uh, is forward thinking it it's a real big issue honestly uh, and 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 certainly we we find that when we're pricing projects and, and and when we're responding to RFPs it it's it's a big issue because it puts us at a disadvantage we we, we look at things a little bit differently than po- probably others, and, and I'm sure that there, there are many companies that are uh, similar to, to the way we approach projects, but, um, but when you are digging a little deeper and when, when you're planning to do something that you think is what the client ultimately needs and they're, they're going to be happy with in the long run, it's hard to, to, to demonstrate that. In the beginning, unless unless the client is savvy enough or, or understands, I, I, I uh, you know it's something that we struggle with, but I uh, look to uh, address in, in the way we uh, we approach the marketplace. Right,
1: Tom, uh, the AV Rant uh, podcast and the, the blog. You guys are are pretty um, consumer electronics focused. You do reviews of th- stuff like that. In, in the world of Best Buy, in the world of Amazon and um, eBay, even let's say um how do how would you say uh from the end user standpoint you know, th- this is what we want right this this is this would get me to pay ten dollars or fifty dollars more for a dvd player um buying it from a, another company ra- rather than on amazon what is it that that as an end user um you'd be looking for to pay that extra mo- that extra amount
3: well really for us it's uh it's word of mouth uh, more than anything, uh, it's like on our podcast. A lot of times we talk about, okay, if you're going to buy this particular product, which we know has had some sort of issues in the past, make sure you buy it from someplace that has a good return policy. Or we might recommend a specific company, saying we've dealt with this company, we've seen this company. They are uh, their service department is fantastic. They won't try to oversell you. You know, we look at it from the st- standpoint of. You know, uh, a lot. A lot of our, you know, and me in particular, I am always looking for a value. But if the if there's a if the not if the dollar value of the price that the products is nominal, the differences is nominal. Then that service is what brings you over the top. That being said, my wife is an engineer. and She works for a consulting firm, and she their their consulting firm constantly loses uh, that initial bid, and what they often do is they say, "Okay, well, you went with somebody else, and we're perfectly okay with that. We knew we came in high, but when things go bad, just don't forget about us because we fix bad a lot. Yes. And you would be absolutely shocked how many times that works, you know. And in, in that sort of situation where you're looking at a large project bid, uh, where they end up coming in later, in that business relationship that you 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 establish with somebody." It makes them remember you when, like, hey, so and so is not responding to my emails and they're not their calls and they're saying they're giving me a bunch of this and that, and all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, let's go back to this other company that promised, you know, gave us a a, a more accurate quote and is uh, has a long track record of fixing mistakes of others.
1: Yeah, they, uh, there's a a quote by a buddy of mine, uh, Kevin Iseli, that. Uh, when he was a consultant and a design engineer, he would tell he would tell clients kind of tongue in cheek, "You can pay me now or you can pay me later. It's entirely up to you." <laughs> you know, so, uh, Mr. Tucker, what, how is it? Uh, you know, Tom mentioned you know service, and if if the the prices is somewhat comparable and and, and maybe a little bit higher, the service would win you over. Um, what what is it from either live you know event staging or from a manufacturers or from the integrator standpoint? How, how do we express this, this, um, this ethereal thing of, of value and, and service to the client? <laughs>
4: uh, it, first of all, it has to be right from the beginning, right? I mean, you've got to tell the client what you're getting, why you're getting it, and what the pitfalls are of going against that. Uh, you don't want to give away your trade secrets, obviously, but I think from our perspective, we've often given our install clients the pros and cons of what you're doing. Uh, I can go with the more sophisticated system that gives you what you think you want, but the off the the, the the counter of that is it does this, this, and this, and the interface is really clunky, and you have to spend X amount of more mo- dollars to get a more simpler uh, interface. That was really bad English. My apologies. That's all right. But you're from you, you you're from get, New York. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get, I, I slipped into my Bronx here. You know, I'm only over the border. At the least cross. it was still clean. It happens, exactly. I'm good at being. <laughs> yes. Um. So uh, that point how much of it you tell them and you have to be able to give them that information. Here's what we're looking at. Here's why we decided to go with this. If you decide otherwise, understand the following. And if you decide that we did the alternative and then we have to put it back, you're wasting money and you will pay the restock fee and that kind of stuff. So it's a little carrot and stick at the Mm -hmm. same time. To Tom's point about the difference between price and coming in and saying, hey, finding someone who fixes it all the time, those things really do help And in addition to giving the the honesty in the beginning of, yes, you will find it cheaper this way, but here's what's going to happen, and here's why you don't want to do that, often wins over a lot of clients for us.
1: I actually had a uh, situation a week or so ago where somebody brought us in after they brought in somebody else to to give them a quote on a system, and based on what they told us they wanted, I mean, we were, good Lord, I want to say two or three times as much, but the system that the original company quoted – Wouldn't do. Wouldn't do what they said they wanted to do. So you know, we'll we'll see where that one goes. Uh, The Andrew Robinson is probably one of my favorite blogs. Uh, Andrew is is a good guy. We've had him on a couple times before. Um, He he wrote a piece this week uh, called "Analog versus Digital and the Dawn of AV Cynicism." Uh, What's interesting is the fact that it was written in 2014. Which I don't know if it dawned. I would. I would. I would give him, uh, maybe it's the dawn of the AV citizen, but, but the analog versus digital has been interesting. The reason he, he, he wrote it was the fact, the fact that Deluxe's uh, Hollywood studio laboratory uh, shut down and Deluxe was one of the main um, solenoid, they, they made actual film. Um, the one quote that I'm going to take out of, out of uh, Andrew's piece is actually a quote from, from uh, Jurassic Park. And he says that in, in the movie, The Jurassic Park, he says, uh, this is Jeff Goldblum saying, you guys were so preoccupied um, with whether or not you could reproduce dinosaurs in this case, uh, you never thought about whether or not you should <laughs> reproduce the dinosaurs. And Andrew's point to that is, is 4K, honestly, is 4K, is 8K and beyond that. Um, and I, I, I get the idea is whether or not, you know, just because we can do this, doesn't mean we should do this um, and Tom actually we're gonna st- we're gonna kick it off with you um, I'm not, I'm so should we I mean as you uh, from from the end user all the way up to the, the boardroom should we be going down the road of 4k and 8k and beyond or should we um, stay where we are at 1080p and kind of uh, um, make that perfect or better or as, as good as we can get and then you know, move on to, you know, higher, re- and higher resolutions?
4: Well, I guess it really
3: depends on, uh, what's the use scenario here or where, who, who you're talking about from somebody like Andrew. Uh, I found this blog to be a little disingenuous because if you read back through his, uh, through his history, he has never really worked with film. He's only ever worked with digital anyways. Yes. So it, yeah. to, to say that, you know, this analog is something that he's lamenting the loss of while I understand, uh, where he's coming from, I felt like, well, you know, I guess you're, it's a theoretical loss because you've never really dealt with it. So from my perspective, uh, okay, from the end user, from the, the consumer, I've been saying on the blog for a long time, for the podcast for a long time, there is really no point to 4K for 99% of the people. There is no point to that. Uh, there's, the, the screens aren't big enough. You're not sitting close enough. There's no point. That said, from the other side of it, though, we should be maximizing the resolution as much as we can now. Uh, because later on down the line, these technologies are going to become uh, mature, and we're going to need to have, you know, we don't want to get, because the celluloid is, is breaking down as we speak. It is currently crumbling. Yeah. So we need to digitize it so we can save it. Now, another point of the blog was that, you know, there was a sort of gold standard of analog that, that we were going towards. And if you look at these these movies that were shot on film a while back, you know, just before digital really took off versus the, you know, the more digitized stuff, uh, which I guess he was referring to, like, CGI. He's like, the CGI stuff already looks dated. Well, so the Technicolor, when Technicolor first came out, it looked all goofy, <laughs> and it still looks goofy. But once they perfected it, it was fine. And I think Jurassic Park is a perfect example. I mean, how long has it been since I saw Jurassic Park? i, I got to say it was, like, early college. So that's, like, 90s, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, Jurassic, that and early it 90s. It still holds up. You know, and that's like 25 years later or 20 years later. So for me, you know, as these, these technologies mature, I think it's important that we, we move with them. You know, it all depends on where you're, you're coming from. From his standpoint, the filmmaker, because he is a filmmaker on top of all the other stuff he does. He reviews equipment for Emotiva and, and all this other stuff. You know, From where he's coming from, I think that that digital is really the way to go, because it never degrades. It never goes away get in the highest resolution as possible because if you have to down convert it to uh, or downscale it to 1080p well then you're fine but trying to take 1080p and make it 4k is a completely different animal
1: yeah and that's that's a really good point i didn't think about that the fact that you're you're trying to get these honestly if you've never seen uh, there's a couple of uh, infographics online that compares the actual resolution of film to 1080p to 4k and stuff like that and uh, actual film when you when you figure out all the resolution it's quite large um mr greenblatt when it comes to all of these different resolutions uh should we be doing going down this road uh should we be going down the 4k the 4k path
0: i i definitely agree with where, where what tom was saying and I, I i think it depends on the user it depends on the use case and uh the when when the the practicality is there it, i i assume that there's uh it, it's important you know they i mean we've talked about before when you're looking at medical imaging and and things of that nature on a commercial side, then then yes, you, you need to have these the higher resolutions and there's going to be a lot of lot more value. I mean, you know we, as much as we mock 3D, you know we, we've always said that that might be one area where, where that could have provided value. So uh, it, it, it is a, all about providing the right solution for for the application. George,
1: when it comes to I, you know both live events and, and
0: Steve mentioned the,
1: the fact of of medical imaging there, those are two areas that I can kind of see, a four K having some sort of a, a value, um, but you know, I, I mean, and, and <laughs> I don't see it going in, in people's homes yet. I guess is, is my point. Um, one thing, I, one idea I've heard is the fact that this might actually reverse the trend that's been happening where. Uh, consumer uh, technology has kind of pushed into the boardroom. The idea is that they're going to have it in medical facilities. They're going to have it in people's boardrooms. They're going to see this in boardrooms, and the CEO is going to say, hey, I want this in my house. I- is this something where, um, you know, where 4K might you know, flip that trend and, and push it more towards the consumer from the pro side?
4: I could see that, yes, especially when you're talking about 4K and, and items like that, where we don't see much of a push or content for it in the residential world. But when you get to commercial and they're producing content for that and they show it in the boardrooms, there will finally be the reverse, which used to happen. You know, The higher technology was in the commercial stuff and it would drip back into the residential stuff. For many, many years it was the reverse because the mass consumer market would push all the volume. Uh, except for very, very specialized stuff. So yeah, I, I concur with that. although to Andrew's point, Andrew Robinson's point, I, and while I agree with Tom, I think what's happening here with with people like Andrew is the nostalgia on bedrock of something that was a foundation went away. and losing it actually gets a little bit sad. Um, there's guys like me and I think I'm probably the oldest of the group here today, uh, who <laughs> cut their teeth and had their hands on razor blading tapes that miss that it's gone. Mm -hmm. Not because we want to do it anymore, because yes, Pro Tools is wonderful, and it makes it so much easier. And if you mess up, phew, I can just undo. Uh, But that skill set, that ability to actually do more than move a mouse really kind of gets missed. I mean, look at Instagram. Why is Instagram so popular with people beyond the social sharing? The filters that most people use are nostalgic type filters yeah. and it makes it look like a picture from the 70s. I have lots of pictures my dad took of things in the 70s and it looks just like that. Um, so you have that inverse
1: idea going on just for yeah, the yeah <laughs> But mythology is not necessarily a
4: bad thing because it teaches us and it keeps us aware of what we did. There are people who make presentations and slides and decks who did not learn what slide guys knew for decades, how to build a slide, how to build a presentation, and they just smear the thing left and right. And knowing what those guys did and why they did it actually can uh, educate why you do it in the digital domain.
3: You can keep going. You can go back to like vinyl. Vinyl is another nostalgia factor right now, and a lot of the stuff that they did, that a lot of the mixing they did on on uh, audio back then, and why people think think that vinyl is somehow superior is because if you gave it too much, uh, if if you if you made those grooves too dynamic within the the groove of the of the record, it would bounce the needle out. So they had to be very careful about the recording. So once they went to digital, they figured out, oh, I can do whatever I want. And they just started, sh- like you're saying, smearing it all over the place and messing with it to the point where people are now going, but it doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. And once again, you go right back to that artisan who, whether it's a vinyl, rec- you know, somebody who's recording for vinyl or cutting celluloid or whatever, you know, or doing it digitally, that artisan who is good is going to d- rediscover those techniques or discover even new techniques. Mm-hmm. So while I- your point is taken, I'm not saying that you don't have a point. I don't think that we need to keep alive old technology simply because you know they had limitations that caused people not to, to do something in a certain way. Um, well,
4: I, I'm not sure I agree and, and I'm not to, I, I, you know and I'm, this is not a major contention oh, no. but look there are guys look, the perfect example Butch Vig never mind the album, Nevermind. It was recorded on digital with that band, and they really didn't want to do it. Now, this is back in the early '90s, and we're still flaky about what digital did, and it was all on tape still at that point. Digital to tape, right? Op- recorders weren't really there, and the volume. Nevermind mind. Was recorded on ability. DAT. No, it was oh. recorded on a. No, I said it was. Yeah, it's it was recorded on a uh, two-inch Sony thirty-three forty-eight. <laughs> okay. Uh, recording open deck machine. But the point I'm making is that Butch Vig, he's the drummer from Garbage. He's a mass, you know, he's a really highly regarded uh, recording engineer. Used the skills he knew for analog recording to make that digital recording work for the band, including recording most of those songs live in the studio. That's the point I'm making. Um, Gundy, I forget his first name, Al Gundy, who did the uh, Institute of Audio Research and was president of the Audio Engineering Society for many, many years. After his retirement, did live to. Um, vinyl master cuttings of recordings. Why? Because, one, he liked it, but, two, because he was teaching the kids and the the engineers underneath him what this entailed and why do you need to be so precise? Because fixing it in the mix, while wonderful, mm-hmm. should be always a last resort. And that's my point in that, is that you should know those skills and not rely on the fix in the mix, and then it's a wonderful tool to have. And I guess that's what I see with Andrew Robinson is those guys who could teach that, that
1: impart that, that were looking over your shoulder in many ways, they're gone. Well, and maybe the, the, the bigger picture here and the bigger uh, idea is that, uh, kind of to Tom and George's point together, is it's not the tools necessarily, it's the skill set, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's, it's sad that that's not always going away, but you, you still get those guys that know what they're doing using those tools, and, and you get them to teach those techniques using the digital, the digital tools. Mm. So, uh, Nick, you have anything on this? Should we move moving to, to 4k or is it no big deal? And it's just the next 1080P?
2: I mean, every technology industry thrives and survives on, on moving forward and new technologies and new things coming out. And there's a lot of things that get thrown up against the wall that just flat out don't stick, um, whether this is one of them, uh, or not is yet has yet to be seen. There's always some pain points uh, for the early adopters and those of us in the industry that kind of have to weed through some of the muckety-muck that comes up uh, along the way. But in the end, the cream will always rise to the top. And uh, so while I I get his point about the nostalgia for film, um, I think to, to try to stamp your feet and stay stagnant is a fool's errand. Yeah. That's a good that's a good point.
1: Uh, all right, from our friends over at uh, at Rave Publications, Almo Pro AV has launched an interesting service that kind of caught me off guard. Um, they're, they're offering to to their their distributors uh, or to their their clients digital signage creation uh, for them to resell to their clients. Uh, Nick, we're going to kick this off with you since you're the um, uh, only one of us that well, only one of the four that works directly for an integrator. Um, is this something that integrators are going to go for? Uh, and, and if so, you
2: know, um, how is that relationship going to work? It's definitely, definitely something that integrators are going to, going to explore. One of the biggest, that's one of the biggest pain points for us when a client comes to us and says, we have a facility, we want, we want you guys to install digital signage. We say, great, we can provide all the hardware, we can do the design work, we can do everything you need. But then the, the uh, awkward silence comes when it comes to creating the content. We don't have the uh, the graphic design resources in house. We're a small integrator, so uh, so we can't offer those services. And very few of our clients have marketing departments large enough to dedicate the resources to doing it as well. So there's that gap uh, that needs to be filled somehow. And this seems like a, at least a a viable option to explore.
1: Yeah, Steve, you you guys create software, but you you do uh, sometimes you do modules for other companies. Uh, is this something that, um, you know, Almo is, is kind of forward thinking, like Nick said, you know, they don't have the resources and sometimes other clients don't have the resources. Uh, is this a good idea? And do you think integrators and, and companies are going to go for it?
0: I, I think it's a great idea. And honestly, I mean, I, I know we talk a lot about moving over to to the service model, first of all. So I think that this is something that could provide recurring revenue and, and, you know, you're, you're shifting, to providing software rather than hardware, but more importantly, the hardware doesn't do anything without having the content, and and you're not not getting to the to to the desired result. It's similar to to control. You can, can you can buy all the boxes you want, but until you put in the software, it's not going to serve the purpose, and it, you're not going to provide the value. I, mean, I think it's a great idea, and it, in fact, it's something that. That, you know, uh, I've looked at and, and I think that there's a void for and, and the people that are doing it uh, are, 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 I think, doing very well. Uh, of, of course, assuming that, that you're good at doing that and you focus on it. Well, yeah, there's, there's that. I can make, you know, stick figures here. <laughs> it's, it's a different, you know, for, 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 for me and for a software company, it is a, a different <laughs> Type of a deliverable, it's you know, so so you have to be creative. You know, but but it does. It's kind of a combination of programming and marketing. Yeah. Uh, Tom, from
1: a, a the uh, the I guess the the, the last the, the end user standpoint, is there something else that maybe um, that people like Almo and Almo is not the only distributor out there, but but what they're offering though is they're offering something that somebody else is going to resell to to the end user, and that's the that's the bottom line there. Um, but it's, it, it's, a, it's a unique service that they're taking on. You know, they've got, a, a, you know, obviously some, some nice graphic designers that people like Nick and, and like the company that I work for. We don't have a graphic artist team. Um, and a lot of end users don't either. So is there maybe something, another service like that, that maybe, you know, Almo uh, and other distributors like that um, could, could offer up, whether that's cloud-based services or, or something else like that?
3: Well, uh, you know, I, I I agree with everybody else. It's a great idea uh, from a custom install uh, perspective. I'm kind of surprised that people aren't uh, trying to do this in house. Uh, I think Alamo's is a great stopgap measure, and and those sorts of services are a great stopgap measure or something that's going to be a reoccurring thing. But uh, a lot of times, uh, like for at, at uh, Audioholics, we wanted to start doing videos, and when we started doing videos, we were, none of us had any ability to do videos. I mean. We certainly could have just threw an iPad up someplace or, you know, a computer and a webcam and tried to figure it out. But we went to our local, uh, one of our our, uh, members went to a local college and found out they had a film school there. You know, it wasn't college, I'm sorry, high school. And the teacher of of the, the film class... Uh, was like, yeah, you guys come in here, use our studio, I'll I'll do the hosting, and uh, that's where we got Andrew Gash, and if you go to Audio Audioholics, you'll see videos from Andrew popping up there on occasion, and uh, it doesn't cost a ton of money, uh, and uh, if we, at any point, uh, you know, if we had gone to a college, we certainly could have used college students, yeah. and uh, you, you paired with somebody who was a, a professor and said, listen, make it part of your class curriculum if you want, and... You know, here's you know, I can give you some projects, and if you want to have some of your digital, you know, your students work on it for the project, and then if they're good, they get hired part time or get some sort of, you know, uh, per diem or, or or per hawk, you know, per hawk, I don't think that's a thing, but per <laughs> job, you know, and it's just a reoccurring 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 bucks per little signage thing. Seems like something that would be doable uh, from the from uh, sort of. Outsourced from in-house at the at the custom install, but it's certainly, according to the 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 the, um, the article that you you linked me to, it certainly seems like a, a good way to to really extend your services beyond just hardware.
1: Yeah, it does. And and to Nick's point, you know, there t- a lot of times is that that awkward silence where you know you're you're buying the the hardware and and they're assuming that you're going to provide some sort of um, of content. Uh, George, is this, not only is this, you know, is this something that you think the integrators are going to go for, but what else can, can Alamo, Alamo and other distributors offer?
4: Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And to Tom's point, yes, in, all, in a perfect world, you want to keep an oversight and management of your resources, have a guy that you've hired to do it. But the problem is a lot of this content is quickly changing. The turnaround on the content is measured in weeks, not months. And for installation companies who plan out far as they can, this is a time frame and a time management that I don't think is we're accustomed to in that part of the industry. Commercial dealers may be a little bit because they're used to trying to find content or associating content that a client wants for walk-ins. But if you're just getting into the digital signage market, it's a really fast-paced environment. And I don't mean that in sort of, you know, the NASCAR racing and everybody's whizzing by. But for us, the planning process is much, much different.
1: Yeah. And you're right, especially when it comes to, you know, uh, (laughs) getting content up and stuff. Uh, Speaking of digital content, uh, if you want to go to a webinar, uh, our friends over at Commercial Integrator are doing uh, just that. A top digital science trends of 2014. Uh, It's on March 19th, uh, which is just in a few days from this recording. Um, Greg McCormick uh, who's been on the show more than once um, uh, is going to be moderating that so check that out if you would please um, speaking of that um, they put up a, a an interesting uh, survey and, and I apologize it's it's the, the 15th of March this was uh, this survey had to be done by the 7th of March so I, I missed that um, but it, it drew me to an interesting question that I'm going to ask the four of you gentlemen and um, the survey was this is is revenue finding survey uh for twenty fourteen um and they were at the the survey was asking you know, integrators and, and people like uh you gentlemen where the money is i guess you know uh to quote another movie today uh where the money in a v is uh tom we'll kick it off with you here where do you think um the revenue the biggest possible revenue is um in commercial and in in Home and, and wherever, uh, where do you think the biggest, you know, the biggest pot of gold is in, in AV?
3: Well, uh, from the custom install, uh, it, it's really, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to say. Uh, you know, we're always constantly talking about uh, on our podcast about margins and stuff and who's where the margins are really at. You know, and and displays these days, there's almost none. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's what the manufacturers keep telling us. So uh, I know for you know from some of the shows I've been to that there is there is a lot of margin speakers a lot of margin. Obviously, if you can sell a high end cable, you probably probably made major year uh, for a lot of these companies because they're you know thousands of dollars per foot for a little bit of copper and some PVC coating. But uh, you know I I went through that entire survey and I was because uh, one of the things I used to do back in the days I did research. And uh, uh, you know, psychology. I had a I have a master's for uh, research, and uh, so I went through. That. I was pleasantly surprised the survey was written uh, coherently and uh, well. So that was my that's my take on that was that that was not a bad survey. And I read so many bad surveys that I was like, oh, thank God, thank God, I'd have to because my my plan was as I went through, I didn't answer any of the questions, but I just went through it to look to see what the questions were. I was like, okay, I can see what they're going for here. They did a pretty nice job. Made you commit up front. To answering some questions and then they didn't ask the money questions until the end. Uh, but I was actually curious to see where the where the where the money might be in uh, in the in the CI market.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 going to be interested. They they usually take about a month or so to, to compile those and then they'll they'll print something out. Uh, Steve, your your uh, you know software and, and control and, and this that and the other. Where do you think um, where do you think the biggest revenue is in AV this year or, or next year?
0: Uh, well, I, I still think that there are systems that need to be updated, and, and there's only so long you can hold off uh, on technology. Uh, you know, education is a good example. They, they seem to have a good refresh schedule at, at many universities or institutions. Uh, there, there are definitely companies that have not made the leap to digital, and I think that that eventually is going to find them, <laughs> or they're going to find the, 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 the need for that. And, uh, and 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 uh, you know what what I'm finding personally is that there are still uh, opportunities out there to go back to clients and talk to them about how we could add value to their existing systems so that they don't have to make a big hardware investment but they could still get more value by by maybe leveraging some software opportunities, uh, making adjustments, making systems work better, or even taking advantage of uh, remote monitoring. Uh, you know. Adding software to help them to compensate for reduced manpower or, or uh, allow them to save, uh, you know, sa- save, some, save on some spending. That was one of the things uh,
1: Steve and I both went to the NSCA's uh, Business Leadership um, Conference a couple weeks ago, and services was like one of the biggest, <laughs> the big words that, that weekend um, was getting into services. Um, so, you know, I, I, I concur with that. Uh, Nick, uh, w- from a standpoint of, of an integrator, where do you think the, the biggest possible revenues are for this year?
2: Um, from a commercial standpoint, we all, we always try to get in on certain, like has been spoken before, uh, services. We do a lot of service agreements, and uh, that allows us to keep our foot in the door uh, with the client Um like I said before, with upgrade cycles uh, coming coming around year year after year, um, we try to stay in touch with our clients um, through service agreements uh, and making sure that their systems work optimally uh, day in and day out. So that when they do say, come to us and say, "Hey, I saw this 4K display. Does it make sense for us?" We are the the authority to give them advice and that keeps us in business, that keeps us around. As far as products are concerned, what we're seeing a lot of it, without try, with, trying not to get into too many buzzwords here the co- consumerization of a lot of, uh, of communication technologies. We're, we're talking to a lot of customers right now about uh, things like Google Hangouts and Skype and more of the consumer driven uh, conferencing technologies being integrated into conference rooms. Um, where traditional video conferencing codecs may or may not be appropriate. Uh, and just having that conversation, products like um uh, is producing like the USB bridge and things yeah. like that. We're doing quite a few uh, rooms with those types of things. Absolutely love that bridge. If, you, if you're not familiar with it, it's, um,
1: it's a little USB device that will take, uh, basically it'll, it'll take Skype or, or Link. Um, I used something the other day called Fusion, I think. Uh, for the first time, uh, all of these are soft codec uh, video conferencing. Well, it'll take professional grade cameras and get them into those soft codecs. And it, it's a pretty cool little device. Uh, Mr. Tucker, you have the last word on, on revenue. Um, what's, uh, what say you? Where, where is the money uh, this year?
4: <laughs> I think on Tom's broadcast, they used something like that, didn't I? I quoted Spaceballs mm-hmm. uh, about finding the margins. Where's the more margins? Um, it's all about services. It's all about upgrading. Uh, I don't think we're in a market with a lot of new businesses going in. I'm either upgrading stuff to make it better, or I'm providing services to keep it running. And that, that's really where, where I see it happening. You know, And to, to uh, Nick's point, you do have that where you say, hey, not just we'll keep uh, a tabs with you, but how about from a commercial perspective, perspective coming in to make sure the projectors are at their maximum brightness or resolution, making sure someone didn't over time change something making sure that the lenses are clean and the screens are accurate and they're not damaged in any way and fixing those, those always can lead to those upgrade upsell moments as well as just maintaining for X amount of dollars a month. You've got a guaranteed profit center or at least an income and you can have a chance to upsell and it only takes a couple of hours a month. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: Mm. Uh, all right. From our friends over at electrical contractor magazine forgotten, but uh, forgotten cable, <laughs> what do you do with abandoned cable? And uh, Mr. Tucker, I was going to start with you on this uh, because you have um, uh, the most famous 1904 colonial that I know of. Um, but uh, here's the thing: the, the, what they what they're talking about is when you do rehabs and, and renovations. What do you do with the cable, um, Nick? We'll, we'll we'll kick it off with you though. Uh, what when you're doing, um, you know, maybe you're doing a, a, a uh, a, a renovation to a, an office complex or something like that, um, and you're dealing with the project manager. How does that conversation work? Do you guys just leave it in place, or is it a case by case basis?
2: Well, actually, here in Austin, and I think in a lot of other municipalities, there is a um, there's a city ordinance that, as part of the demolition permitting process for a new building finish out, all prior low voltage cabling has to must be removed. Oh wow. Uh, that was passed a few years ago, so usually that uh, is taken care of in demo process before we're even involved. So a lot of the environments that we come into have already been stripped clean of old copper. Um, and In the event that we do run across uh, a new finish out or a, or if it's just a retrofit uh, where a customer is upgrading some existing, uh, existing facilities, we do our best to cut out any old uh, any old cabling that may, uh, may or may not impede, uh, our, our new install, but for the most part uh, around us, we're coming into relatively cable, cable free and cable clean job sites.
1: No, That's a good, that's a good place to be then, uh, George, when it comes to, uh, both residential and commercial, um, what do you guys, what do you guys do when it comes to dealing with old cable? Hmm.
4: A lot of times, especially in New York, it's up to the building maintenance. Uh, we are often not allowed to touch that. Mm. Uh, sometimes we can in certain, you know, certain installations, certain institutions, we can. But quite often, if you're saying, "Hey, there's extra cable up there," that's the purview of the building maintenance guys, and they will hire an electrical contractor to take it out. Yeah, true. You know, technically, we're not electrical contractors; we're low
1: voltage video guys. Yeah. So. Well, does it matter, though, that the, that the existing is low voltage, though?
4: Not j- Well, it doesn't matter in the sense that they just use the electrical contractors to do that. It's all licensed. It's a building agreement. We don't usually touch it unless it's some kind of event space, and usually that's the building space, and they're going to find their people to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Although, I mean, to that point, we did a Cedia special, a special with some of the guys at Cedia, yes. about why you want to do this. And there's an extra reason beyond, they said, you know, smoking and the uh, fire and just dead weight and causing problems running new wires, is that, and you guys may or may not know about this, is that running Cat5 or any of those with the same kind of jacket, that polyurethane, poly, I forget the exact name for it, coating on the jacket against PVC piping actually causes a chemical reaction and degrades both the pipe and the outer shell, yeah, of the, shell of the wire. And most of the PVC piping is what? Water? You don't want to do this. <laughs> no, so Getting them away anyway from installs that may have done it in the past is probably a good idea.
1: Yeah, that was a really good, spe- that was a good yeah. special. It was a good article. Uh, Tom, when it comes to home installs and, and things of that nature, do you rip out all new cable or do you suggest people rip out all? Not all new cable. Do you suggest they rip out the old before they, they put in the new?
3: Usually, I'm uh, helping people install in-wall speakers or projectors or that sort of thing. So I'm used to helping them put wires in that you will rip out later. (laughs) So uh, uh, (laughs) uh, the the biggest problem that we usually run into is people who have questions about power, running power through, you know, up to the projector or down to from their display. Through they want to do it through the wall and stuff, and I'm always just trying to keep people from doing things like extension cords in the wall <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, this is this is something that we rarely have uh, an issue with though I did have one, one guy on the podcast once who had just wires sticking out of his wall that somebody had installed in a home theater system at some point didn't know where everything went and some of them just seemed to go nowhere and he's like what should I do I'm like I think you gotta rip it out dude just hope you know, hope that you're not going to take part of your wall out with you. But uh, <laughs> cause he had an older home like George. So, you know, that some of that stuff you're like, you know, it's plaster on the wall and God knows what you're going to get into if you have to get behind there. And when it's a DIY, a DIY project. Uh, it quickly turns into one of those things that ends up on HGTV, where somebody has to, you know, somebody has to come in. Mike Holmes has to come in, and you know, I was just, just installing a home theater, and now there's water everywhere. Uh, exactly.
4: <laughs> hey, listen. In in my house, I found knob and tube in the walls. Thankfully, not live, but I found knob and tube. I Are you know serious? Anybody, you all know what knob and tube is. Yes. Yes, old Edison white
1: wires, basically. Wow. Ceramic, well, I, ceramic standoffs, the whole bit. Well, here's the thing. I mean, first of all... it Thankfully was, wasn't connected. Well, no, no. The <laughs> thing is, is, is it, it, one thing about George's house, and I'm not kidding, it, it was built in the early 1900s, and you are in New York, so that makes a yes. whole lot of sense. So, yeah, that, that totally okay. makes sense.
0: Uh, colonial.
1: Yeah, Steve, um, uh, what do you do with old wires, uh, whether it be control wires or power, like, like Tom said,
0: or, or video, or, or this, that, and the other? Well, I, I think that this is a, a good discussion in best practices, certainly, and certainly something that is going to help prevent problems moving forward. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's about educating the uh, – probably a, the, a, an end user to, to know what they should be having, know, know uh, the, the types of problems. Uh, 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 Processes or or uh, approach that should be taken to do a system right. You know to, to and and the the importance of making sure that that you have a system that that you can troubleshoot and that, that you you know you're you're not going to run into to creating more difficulties down the road. You know stuff that we discussed a little bit earlier that you know, if you if you're leaving wires in and, and building upon a, a a bad infrastructure, you're probably going to end up having ha, having causing yourself problems in, in the future, and it's just just another one of those good education points. Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, gentlemen, that is going to do it uh, for this week. Uh, Tom Andre, the host, author, and extraordinaire uh, from AV Rant. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Where can people find you?
3: Uh, you can come to AVRant.com. We have a Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Uh and you can follow me on Twitter if you like. Uh, I usually tweet about writing, but sometimes I tweet about AV. Uh, at Avrant underscore Tom and my personal website where you can find my books and more information uh, I write. To. Right now the books that are up there are all superhero uh, superhero themed uh, sci-fi books uh, it's at TomAndre.com A-N-D-R-Y
1: Very good. Uh, Steve Greenblatt from Control Concepts. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you. It's been great. And where can people find you? Uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Google plus uh, any of those above I uh, uh, typically go by Steve Greenblatt and uh, do a little bit of writing for a commercial integrator and uh, also check out the uh, state of control podcast. Uh, we are we, uh, back on track this month and uh, going to be planning a new one for April. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: and Mr. Nick Miller from uh, AV service partners, uh, where can people find you?
2: Can find me on Twitter, Nick uh, at Nick Mill and. Uh, with one L uh, on Google Plus. Just search my name, LinkedIn, all all the goodies.
1: Very good. Thank you, sir. And last but not least, Mr. George Tucker uh, from everywhere. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Where can people find you? and, and- just, they know. just say uh, it. Tucker
4: twos. If it's on social media, just look up Tucker twos and you will find me. I write for commercial integrator, corporate tech decisions, red band, and of course, aviation.
1: Yes, indeed. And you were on uh, Mr. Andrew's recent podcast. Um, I was. so uh, check that out, please. If you will. It was a lot of fun, it's a great podcast. So yeah, we yeah, have, yeah.
3: uh, switched up our podcast, uh, lately. Uh, we've gone from more of a news talking about AV to specific question answering, uh, uh, our listeners. So we've gotten to the point now where uh, an hour, we, we went from an hour to an hour and a half to two hours, and then we cut back. And we did two podcasts in the last week. We're really getting inundated with questions. So if you have specific questions about your specific home theater, uh, AV Rant is the place to go. We will answer. We guarantee it. We answer them and,
4: all. And to the uh, thing, <laughs> after each podcast, they do a, a Google Party, I guess it's called, Tom? Yeah, basically. And the listeners can join in and ask specific questions and maybe more detailed stuff or just discuss about it. And when I was on, there was a lot of really cool guys that came on, and part of what we talked about was home automation, the difference between, you know, what the AMXs and Crestrons Runs of the world are doing and Insteon and why the big guys aren't coming and wooing the, the, the more DIY or middle class guys, and these guys had a lot of great answers, showed really cool examples, and it was just a lot of fun to talk to them.
1: Yeah, it's, and one thing that Tom does that I think is really cool that I've I've done uh, more than once is he'll send out an invite um, and invite you out to 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 watch it. Um, and mm-hmm. so uh, uh, I think it was a week or so ago. Your your podcast, the the title was two hours. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I, was I, I watched that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, we thought we uh, we I, 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 an hour ten. I was like, okay, we're on our last topic. This certainly, surely you surely will be we'll finish by an hour and a half. I was
4: like, oh god.
1: Went forever. Well,
4: yeah. well, no, with Rob, there's a plethora of information, and he brings yeah. up more questions sometimes as well, the answers, and it's, he answers.
1: He it's is, he is a research mad genius. I mean, he that, is amazing.
4: Yeah, he
1: is. Yes. So, yes, he is. Uh, if you want, uh, go by the website if you would, please. Um, we just uh, we not we the royal we. Uh, um, the the best hair podcast in the history of the world uh, is is Matt D Scott <sighs> and uh, Phil Cordell. Um, I say that lovingly. They, they started a new podcast this week called AV Apps, uh, which if you're familiar with at what apps are and at AV is, you can probably figure out what the show's about. They review <laughs> an app a week. Uh, it's not very long at all. They'll go through the the feature set of, of the app and, and show you the interface and, and where you can get it and the different, uh, the different devices it's on. So check that out if you would. S- uh, Steve mentioned our, our brand-new State of Control. Uh, we have a... Uh, a new ed tech coming in about a week or so. And uh, I just talked with uh, the fine host of AV Social the other day, and they have a new one coming down the pike uh, this month as well. So go by the website, if you would, please, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>